We're going to read from the New Testament from um, Matthew chapter 28. Um, if you've um, got your Bible with you, you could follow along, but it will be on the screens as well. We're beginning in Matthew 28, and then we're going to flip to 2 Corinthians. So just before Jesus returns um, to heaven after his resurrection. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then we're going to flip to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it's verses 14 and 15. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Father, we pray that you take these words and that you will sink them into our spirits, that we will hear from Andy the things that you want us to hear. I pray that you will give Andy um, more of your spirit just now, um, so that he's sensitive to you as he leads us now. Amen. Good morning and a warm, warm welcome to everyone. It's great to uh, see you, particularly if you're new visiting, I have guests with someone. And we've got a, a pastor from Poland here and his lovely daughter uh, from Manchester, I think, is that right? So Peter's here, let's uh, just welcome Peter and Monica. Uh, and they, kind of over to see what's, what's happening with the, um, uh, the, the, the night shelter and a lot of the Polish guys there as well. So it's fantastic to be uh, with all of that. Um, back in November, uh, I met a, a couple uh, called Ying and Grace, and, uh, uh, and they've been at the center of probably the, the largest, uh, the fastest growing uh, sort of church planting movement in recent history uh, in the world. Um, and they, they started in a, an urban sprawl um, of crowded factories with tens of thousands of workers. It was a kind of mad mix of kind of very highly educated uh, uh, college graduates and almost illiterate um, villagers who'd kind of moved into the city to, uh, for the factories and for the work and all of that. And um, very densely populated corner of, us, uh, of Asia. And they started off quite well, a missionary couple, doing well, um, you know, getting to know people, sharing their faith, maybe seeing 15 or 20 people each time, come to faith. So over the year, maybe 40, 50, 60 people, uh, enough to plant a church, enough to start another church. And each year they were doing that and uh, thought, well, you know, this is good. This, is, this seems like a good thing. But when they took a step back from it, they began to realize that actually even that is just a drop in the ocean. And um, they started to think again about it and started to pray again about it. And they changed their approach um, to uh, not just sharing with people, but training people that they've shared with to train others, to share their faith, to share their story um, beyond themselves. And so over the next 10 years, um, they've seen it spread worldwide um, with a, a phenomenal uh, kind of growth um, across uh, particularly that part of the world, but beyond as well, with some 200,000 people every year coming to faith, being baptized um, planting, um, I think it's around 15,000 kind of community group-sized churches every year for 10 years. Um, and it's been a phenomenal growth um, of the church. So I was in a taxi with this couple. So you can imagine, you might have a question or two that you wanted to ask them. And so I'm in a taxi, but it's a morning when I've decided that I want to share my faith with someone. I want to tell my story with someone. And the likelihood it's going to be the taxi driver that I'm in a taxi with. So 
here I have this, this taxi driver that I want to share something with, and I've got this couple that I desperately want to ask 101 questions to in the back. So I came out with a bit of a neck problem, to be honest, because I'm straining over, trying to talk to them, and also trying to get my story in and to this guy that was driving us as well. And uh, so I shared a little bit about my story, which I did do, and, and, and he just started to share about his family and how his mum had gone to church, um, his dad had been an alcoholic, had, had beaten um, his, his, wife, his mum uh, quite a lot, and that just the, the impact that had had on him and hadn't been to church for a long, long time. But because of telling the story, you know, he was considering maybe looking again um, at what this faith was all about. But Ying and Grace are in the back, and uh, the time we had with them, um, unpack the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and verses 19 to 20, which says, go and make disciples, or the tense of the word is, as you are going, as you are going about life, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And, and so Jesus has given us a strategy in these simple few verses. And uh, the first part of it um, is that we're to go. Primarily and fundamentally, we're to go. We're not to just wait for somebody to, to come in um, and, and hope for the best in all of that. Lost people don't know where to go. We've got no idea. Um, and, and actually, very often, they think the church is the last place they're going to find hope and life and all the rest of it. Um, when I became a Christian, I didn't know where to go. Okay, so I became a Christian through, through, through a friend, but I didn't actually know where to go. So I thought probably you should go to a church, so I tried one. Um, it wasn't a good choice. There was, I got to this service, um, not far from where I lived, and there were five of us in the service and a dog. And um, the only people that were singing in the service was myself, because I thought that's what you were supposed to do, and the dog. And... Um, <laughs> It didn't take me long to think, this is, this, is not, this is not great. And so I decided to kind of sidle out of it. And the dog saw sense as well and followed me out. Okay, <laughs> we don't know where to go. Um, I was talking to someone on Alpha, and um, she actually was looking for somewhere. She was looking for some answers. And she thought perhaps going into a church might help. And uh, she got to the door with a friend, and they said, sorry, no tourists. <laughs> Ouch. So even when people do go looking, the experience it can be pretty grim. So there's, uh, we need to go. We need to go to people and we need to help them. We need to share our lives, we need to share our faith, we need to share our story and then invite them to join us on a journey uh, with all of that. Not just wait in the hope that people will just turn up. So the Great Commission is firstly go, not come. Now sometimes we need to be reminded of what the reasons are. Why, why should we tell people? Why do we tell people um, of our faith? And uh, that passage in 2 Corinthians 5, we see that Paul says he was compelled, okay, they were compelled by the love of Jesus um, to tell people. And he goes on and he says, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him. That is a hugely challenging piece of verse. We no longer live for ourselves, but we are to live for him who died for us. You think about it for a minute, someone like Peter. Peter was... You know, before Jesus was crucified, he denies Jesus three times. Okay, he bottled it. And he said, never, never, didn't know the guy. Didn't know the guy. Um, really didn't know the guy. And yet on the day of Pentecost, Jesus is, is raised, the Spirit's poured out, and he stands up. Peter, the same guy, stands up in front of thousands of people and starts to share um, his faith and the love of God uh, for every person that is there. And 
they hated it. The religious leaders hated it. They thought they got rid of Jesus. And now he, the whole city of Jerusalem is being filled with the stories that this guy's alive again. And so they drag Peter and John uh, in front of the council and they basically thinking, he broke before, maybe he'll break again. But they pull him before the, the magistrates or whatever and he replies, uh, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about the wonderful things that we've seen and heard. We cannot stop telling. There's a, there's a driving compulsion in the first Christians um, because to tell people about who Jesus is. And so Paul writes, that we, we try to persuade people. His love compels us, um, the love of Christ, because God loves us. He's, he's given of his spirit so that we can know his power and his presence in our lives. He's brought us to be part of a family to belong to so that we can experience meaning and purpose. We're guaranteed life beyond death, life everlasting. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived of the things that he's prepared for us. The incredible generosity of God. And it's that that compels us, that, or should compel us, to share that um, with others as well. Secondly, we're commanded by Jesus in this passage as we've read, read the Great Commission. I, I have this theory, I've shared it before, and it's, it's the theory of, it's the Andy's inverse theory of communication. And basically, if you don't want people to tell something, they'll tell it. Okay, if you want something to be kept a secret, you, it'll, it'll get out there. That's my experience. If you, don't, if you want people to tell something and pass it on, they tend not to. And um, that, that's, the, that's the challenge. And I think Jesus saw it at times. You know, he's early in his ministry. He heals someone. He says, don't tell anyone. Whatever you do, don't tell anyone. You know, I'm going to get into enough trouble later on. I, I need a, a little bit of uh, kind of, you'll be able to get around a bit at the moment. So don't tell anyone. And of course, they go away and they tell everyone, wouldn't they? But there's a danger with the Great Commission that the, the one thing we're supposed to pass on, there's a danger that we don't pass it on. But actually, we keep it to ourselves. But nevertheless, we are commanded to tell others. We're under orders. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you will obey my commands. And I think for most of us, this is a defining moment in our lives. It certainly was in my life where I made a decision and I resolved to, to be someone that would tell others. Okay? For me, I decided to get baptized and that was my, my first way, if you like, of telling others. And it might be for others as well. But it's a resolution that we make in our hearts and lives, a defining moment um, we do it with gentleness, we do it with respect, we do it you know, in, a, in a way that people can understand and relate to, but we are to tell uh, others. The third reason is that we need to be convinced that people need to know. We are convinced. Um, it's not a just a nice-to-know thing. Right? This is people need to know thing. There's a big difference. And the New Testament tells us that everyone, everywhere, is in rebellion against God. Okay, that every person has sinned. Everyone has fallen short, Romans 3.23. And it goes on in Romans 6.23 to say that the wages of sin, the consequences of sin is death, spiritual separation from God forever, from his love, from his goodness, from all of that, unless we receive his forgiveness. Because the gift of life, Paul says, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And the only one that's dealt with sin and death is Jesus. He is the only one who's dealt with sin. No one else has taken sin away. No one else has gone through death and come out the other side. They cannot be dealt with in any other way. And therefore, God can only save people through what Jesus has done. And therefore, people need to know about him. They need to know. Because how will they hear, says Paul in Romans uh, 10, he says, if no one tells them. 
And therefore, we need to tell people in all of that. And so right at the core of, of the Christian um, teaching in the early church was this, that salvation can be found in no one else. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is no other name under heaven or earth um, by which people can be saved. And so we're convinced that people need to know. Fourthly, we, we have compassion for people who haven't heard, people who don't yet know. Um, I can remember this Chinese guy um, that I shared a flat with when I first came to Birmingham and decided to show him the Jesus video. And he came to me at the end, genuinely, and he said, was that really Jesus or was it an actor? He had no idea. He'd not come across the story at all. Simple ways in that we tell people because of compassion, because it's in our hearts. Jesus' ministry was, was marked by compassion. He saw the lostness of people um, that perhaps in a way that, that often we don't see. But God loves everyone. God doesn't want anyone to perish. God wants everyone to come to faith and to repentance. Um, 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. So sharing our story appropriately is, is an act of compassion for people. And fifthly, the church was created to tell people um, about Jesus. The church exists to grow. The Spirit was poured out so that we would be his witnesses here and to the ends of the earth. Um, it's not just a club that we join, but it's a body that grows. And as we've looked at many times here at Riverside, you know, the three key aspects, the, the triangle of up, in and out, um, the, uh, the kind of three dimensions of, of what church life is about. Up is about spirituality. It's about our worship of God. You know, in is about encouraging and supporting one another. But there's out as well, telling people um, about this good news uh, in the ways that they can engage with, in the ways that they can understand, in the ways that they can respond to uh, in their lives. And uh, on each one of those is important. But churches need to be looking outwards. And we, each one of us, are created to tell people um, of this faith um, in all of that. So we're compelled by his love. We're commanded to tell. We're convinced people need to know. We have compassion, and so we will. And the church is created to tell people. But coming back to the, the Great Commission, go, not come. The second point is we're to go to all nations. Um, everybody. And so Ying says, he says, don't choose. Um, he says, don't choose. You know, he realized in his evangelism that he'd, he'd look at someone and think, nah, you're not, you're not a likely candidate. I'm not going to talk to you about it. Um, you look more likely. I think I'll, I'll, I like the look of you. You know, he'd say, you know, oh, you're, you're, you're too ugly. <laughs> you're too nice. But do you know what I mean? We, we make decisions. We make choices in all of that. And he said he suddenly realized he shouldn't be choosing, that actually we're to go to everyone. Um, we're not to limit what God might do um, with our own preconceptions. And the parable of the sower, that famous parable that Jesus teaches, where the farmer goes out and he sows seed. And when you read it, you realize he doesn't just go, oh, I'm going to ignore the path, or I'm going to ignore the rocky ground. He sows the seed everywhere. Everywhere. He sows it everywhere. Right? Only a quarter of it is fruitful, the good soil. But he doesn't choose where it goes. Okay, that's God's job. Okay? In fact, three quarters of where he sows it is unfruitful. So probably we shouldn't be expecting better, better results than Jesus was expecting. Okay? We're going to have to get used to some unfruitful responses, okay? possibly even some negative responses. But actually, we're there to sow the seed um, in all of that. So I'm, uh, <clears throat> sowing the seed is our responsibility. Growing it is God's responsibility. 
Okay? Choosing where it lands is not our responsibility. We're just to, to put it to, to the people that God brings uh, to us and, and across our paths. So again, I'm in another taxi. And uh, this, this, uh, I'm, I'm here in Birmingham. And I look at the driver of the taxi and I think, you're an unlikely candidate. He's a you know, Middle Eastern guy. I'm thinking, really? Am I, you know, nah, pretty unlikely. And then I'm thinking in my head, everybody. You know, actually, I, should, I shouldn't choose. So I strike up a conversation. It's a pretty bumbling conversation, to be honest. And I'm sort of tripping over my words and all of that. But I just start to talk to him about my faith, and he starts to talk about his family. And he starts to talk about how disillusioned he is with his, his own faith, different faith backgrounds, because of what he's seeing happening around the world. And he's now making up his own faith, and he's coming up with this pick and mix thing with all sorts of little bits and pieces. And should I tell my kids or shouldn't I tell my kids? We have a big conversation about it. And, um, and we get to the end, and I didn't want the fair to go on forever, so I said, can, I, can we pray for you? You know, I was just ticking over. So, um, and he said, yeah, yeah, pray for me. So I prayed for him, and he said, I don't trust Jesus. He said, I don't trust Jesus, he said, but, but I do trust you. And I thought, wow, in 20 minutes, the impression, you know, with God that we can have on someone. I've got no idea, is that good soil, is that bad soil? Is that path, is that, I, I don't know. That isn't my job. But we're just to share something of that. And who knows when in his life, you know, the, the, the soil be ready uh, for someone um, to take the seed that we've sown. Um, and so we're not to expect better results than Jesus, but we've got to be prepared for even unfruitful response. That that is normal. Okay, that, that is okay. That is normal experience in life. In fact, it's what being a disciple of Jesus is about. It's about handling the, the lack of response in our lives as well because only God really knows where the good soil is. And as we sow, then we see where the good soil is as we see response in different ways. So it's go, not come. It's everyone. Don't choose. And uh, it's also about making disciples. It's not actually about making church members. Uh, normally we think, oh, great, church member, job done. But actually it's not about that. It's about training someone to train others to, to share with others. You know, to, to train, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, which is not just about attending church. That's, that's important, but it's not just about that. It's about how do we train others to train others to share their faith and share their story and to go to everybody and make disciples. And so Ying and Grace started their new with their new converts to do that, to just to go and to share their story and to train others and all of that into this explosive movement um, that they've seen. And they really just see everyone into two types of people. There, there are lost people um, who don't yet know God and there are saved people who, who do and have got a story. And um, to lost people, they, they share their story. That's all they do. Whatever their response is, is not their issue, but they share their story with lost people. And with saved people, they, they train them and encourage them to share their story and to train others uh, in all of that. And so when they got their first group together, uh, Jung and Grace, um, they, they basically realized there's kind of three reasons why people don't, not all Christians share, uh, their, their, share the gospel, share their story in all of that. And the first question is why? Why should I? And uh, we've looked at that. We've looked at some of the reasons. Jesus' love compels us. We're commanded. Um, we're convinced of the needs. We have compassion. And uh, uh, we, we, the church was created to tell people. But the second reason is, is who? And, uh, okay, it's everyone, but where do we start? How do you start? Where do we start? And uh, so I've put a card in Outlook. Um, so if you pick, like, pick your card up, there's a one of these little postcards in there. I just want to give you five minutes just now just to write some names down. 
You might want to close your eyes, you want to think about it. There's some pens around if you want a pen. It's a very simple to do. And it's people that you know who, who don't yet know Jesus, okay, don't know God's uh, love, or are not walking with him at this time. And just begin to write down some names. It might be immediate family. It might be wider family. Maybe people in the community, neighbors, uh, people that you work with, um, people that you're in common interest groups with. Uh, sports teams, uh, any of those things. We're just going to take some time just now just to write down some names and then we'll go to do something else in a moment. So um, if you need a pen, stick your hand up. Um, if you need a card. Let's just, you need small writing because um, it's not a very big card. And uh, once, once you've got, got some names, again, it says where to start with. In some sense, God wants us to share with all of these people. Right? Well, he does. Um, but to start, maybe just five. So just write a one beside five of them. So just you know, pray, just think, where, where can I start here? Which five could I start with um, in that? And then you put a one beside that, and you know, you're thinking the next five, you put a two, and that sort of thing, so you, you can move on through that, and then a three for another five. But just five at the moment, just um, be thinking, just write a one down. Which five could I begin praying for out of this? So this is where do I start? Okay, which five can I be praying for, and potentially sharing with, in some way? So let's just just mark those just now. And uh, so once once you've got those five, and as I say, you can group them for others, twos, threes, just to begin. But this is just where we start with, you know, this week to start praying for them, praying that the, the Spirit of God would begin to prepare them. You may already be praying for them, but that God will give them a hungry heart and so that when you share with them, they will listen and there'll be, there'll be kind, of, kind of positive response, hopefully, as we pray for them in all that. There will be plenty of everyone opportunities, but these are five people that we start with and, and uh, we're praying for ourselves as much that we'll have opportunity to share uh, with them. There's a prayer on the back you can use, don't need to read it now, but that's something you can use specifically just to break into their, their lives in prayer and um, so that's the who so we, we know why we know who and uh, the next question is just simply how you may not know how to share um, but actually it's, it's much easier than we often think and it simply starts with our story because our story is so powerful our stories are powerful and um, you know I know that if you know you listen to me for five or ten minutes and then, you know, you kind of lose the way. But as soon as somebody starts telling a story, somebody starts, comes up here and starts telling their story, you're on the edge of your seat. You want to listen to someone's story um, in all of that. And so we simply start by sharing uh, our story. It's hard to argue with our story. It's something that people will often relate to in some way, particularly the people that we know. And therefore, I encourage you to, to write out your story, just to start, to write it out so that you can get it nice and short and simple. I tried this this week. I got it, it was like three or 400 words. It was like half a page on, on, a, on a piece of paper. Um, and I put it on Facebook just to, to get to, mainly for my wider family, just to, uh, for them to read it and to see, and uh, to see what response uh, we get from that. Just sharing our stories. We want to be able to tell it in just a couple of minutes uh, in all of that. And th there's three parts to a story um, in, in all of this. There's, there's what, what life was like before uh, Jesus, if you like, is how we came to faith, and you know, and all of that, and then what difference it's made in our lives, you know. And um, for some people, it's like, well, what was what was life like before? Were you troubled? Were you angry? Were you anxious? 
Uh, were you confused? You know, what were you looking for? Was it was life going well, but there was an emptiness to it? What what was it that got you kind of stirred you beforehand? And then, how specifically did you come to faith? You know, you prayed, you asked God to forgive you and lead you. What what was it specifically that changed you? And and what's the difference? You know, have you now found joy? Have you found peace? Are you able to forgive? Have you found meaning? Um, have you found freedom? You know, what what is it? That, that made the difference, it's, it's the difference there. What's been resolved or partly resolved um, as a result of your faith? Or if, you know, Christianity's been part of you since childhood, then it may be simple, slightly different questions. You know, how did that early faith impact your life? Um, you know, at some point, probably in your teens or your 20s, you made a decision to take God seriously. So what was it about, about his leadership? You know, what point that made you think, actually, this is definitely, definitely for me? And, you know, why have you continued? What reasons do you have? Why, why have you continued with your Christian faith? That's your story. And to capture it, everybody here has got a story that somebody else needs to hear uh, in all of that. And most of the time I discover that when, when, you, when you read a story, you know, online or in a paper or in a magazine, it's got a headline. Okay? Nearly always it's got a headline. What's your headline? And uh, think about that and to try and capture that in some way. So I posted my story on Facebook um, in the mid- middle of the week. And uh, one, one post came back just with another website um, of, of lots of stories. And it's called uh, mystory.me. Um, and you can Google it. And on there, there's loads of stories. And they've got, they've got headlines uh, on there. So I know who I am. Someone else trying to prove myself to the world. Uh, another one, um, something worth believing in. 162 people have read that story. They want to know about what that is all about. It might be searching for meaning, finding acceptance. What's your story headline and what's your story? Write it down, very simple. Make it short and then we need to find ways um, to put it out there. As I say, mystory.me if you want some other ideas. And um, keep it short. Get rid of all the religious jargon in there and then just read it out. Find somewhere, somewhere quiet on your own and just read it out three or four times so that you familiarize yourself with it. So you just feel confident in sharing it with someone else. Then close your eyes and try and tell it without, you know, without reading it sort of thing, so it's real. Ask a couple of Christian friends to listen to it and give you some feedback uh, on how to improve it and sharpen it up a, le- a little bit, perhaps. And then find ways to share it with those five people that you've just marked on your bit of paper, a bit of card. You know, how can I share this story? It might be a phone call or in a phone call that I have the opportunity to share that. It might be a letter that I write to them. It might be through social media. It might be over a cup of coffee. It might be, I'm trying to put my story together. Would you have a look at it and, and tell me what you think and ask, tell me what questions it raises for you? you know, and, and use it to get some feedback, but also to share it at the same time. We're to be generous uh, with our story. And Ying uh, told us that he was, uh, he was a chaplain. Um, he was a chaplain in a hospital, and he used to go around. So he had permission to talk to the patients. He was, you know, he wasn't illegitimate there. He was, he was, you know, and he'd go and say, "Can I share something of God's love for you?" And most people would go, "Oh no, my leg's getting really sore. Or I'm, I'm not feeling really good at all, uh, chaplain. You know, and I, no thanks." Um, sort of thing you might expect. And it got him down a bit. A few people would listen, but not many in all of that. And then every day he'd go for breakfast. Um, and uh, in this place he went for breakfast, they would offer you um, extras. So one of the extras was egg. Do you want egg with your breakfast? And it cost quite a lot of money, so he, and he's a, you know, a, a bit thrifty. So he said, no, 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 don't want egg, don't want egg. And, um, and then one day he comes back and his wife says to him, you've got, you got egg. Why did you get egg? You never get egg. 
He said, the guy didn't give me a choice. He said, do you want one egg or two? <laughs> so I said, one. And, um, and he watched him and he observed him. And he goes, this, this is how he does it. He does it all. This is tactic all the time. He says, one egg or two. And nearly everybody got an egg. And he thought, he thought, this guy's learned something here. And he said, I've got something that is really worth sharing. I've got something genuinely worth sharing. He said, so I went back into the hospital and I thought, I don't need to ask people's permission. Can I share my story with you? And he would just start to share. And he would say to some, he said, he said you, oh, my life before. You wouldn't believe my life before. I used to fight with my wife every day. Really? Everybody wanted to hear his story. Okay? And he would unpack his story and then he would start to talk about how his life had changed and how Jesus had got involved in all of that. Far fewer people turned him down. And... Uh, and so it's uh, we're to go, we're not to wait for people just to come to us. It's everyone, don't choose, but start somewhere. And uh, we're to train others, we're to make disciples, not just church members. And we've looked at some of the reasons why that we should do that. We've looked at how, write our story, learn it, start sharing it with us. And maybe next week you can start to come back and see how we got on with all of that. Let's pray and uh, the bands um, can come up. Father, I want to thank you that you've given each one of us a story. And to many of us here, Lord, you've given us a faith story. And it's a, it's a story that is only possible because of what you've done, because of your grace, and because of your generosity. And Lord, forgive us when we are reluctant to pass that on, when we, we hold on to the life that you've given us rather than sharing it with those that need to hear so Lord, we just simply pray that you would help us to just recapture what our story is and to find ways to, to share that. And we say, Lord, whether it's fruitful or not, we leave that to you. In Jesus' name, amen.